Hello, and welcome to Bobby and Yen's presented by Zwift. One thing I'm thankful for is still being able to train with friends on Zwift any time of the day. Being motivated by the massive community means there's always someone to ride with and new locations to explore. Like the new Japanese-inspired Makuri Islands and my personal favorite route, the Mega Pretzel on Watopia. Riding with friends makes the training easier and they always know how to push me. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bobby and Jens. My name is Bobby Julik. Uh, my my co-host, Jens Vogt. How are you doing, buddy? Doing pretty well. My oldest son just turned 26 years old, which tells me that I am much, much older than him. Otherwise, the most exciting news in my life was that I just did the lawn for the last time this year. It was the last time I had to do it. Now I just let it grow and rest for the winter. So yes, 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 the last time the lawnmower. I know it's not exciting to everyone, but I'm actually fairly happy about that. Jens, I, I love and respect you, you know, that like a brother. And I have to say, a guy that mows his own lawn, that that's character. You know, like we're busy, we got tons of stuff, but you can always, always find a little time to go out and clip clip your own grass and hack the hedges back. I, I like that. It's, um, you know, I'm not a artistic person. I'm not a musical person, but like when I cut my lawn and it looks good, meh, pretty proud of myself. Pretty proud of myself. Well, um, yeah, I had a pretty cool weekend and start to this week. Uh, got to ride with Yolanda Neff, the Olympic mountain bike champion and she shows up on a basically a, a one by cross bike, and we're out in the gravel where you need extreme gears here in South Carolina, North Carolina area. And she was basically doing torque work the entire time. Um, I had to cut it a little short because I had to get back to work, but had a great time. She's a great person, and hopefully we'll get her on the podcast. But um, yeah, big news for me, Enzi. You see my hat? Uh, I mean, yes. I am turning 50, so by the time this podcast comes out, I will be officially old. It's in two days, right? Yeah, November mm -hmm. 18th. Kind of yep. crazy, kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, enough of that jibber-jabber. Um, we had a really great guest. I mean, everyone probably remembers him from being that little kid on Eric Zabel's shoulder with a green jersey, dyed his hair green, but he's found his own path. And we had a great conversation with him about what it's like growing up being Eric Zobel's son and what it's like growing up Rick Zobel. Totally great interview. So sit back, relax, and listen to our interview with Rick Zobel. Okay, everyone, another great guest today, Mr. Rick Zabel. Rick, Rick, welcome to Bobby and Jens. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me, guys. So actually, um, Rick should teach us a few tricks and things because he is having a podcast much longer than for sure I have. 
maybe even longer than you have your podcast, Bobby. Rick, since when did you have your podcast and how did you come up with the name Plan Z? Uh, I'm at 90 episodes so far and uh, I've started the podcast back uh, in 2019, September 2019, so a little bit longer than two years now. And uh, yeah, I just liked the idea of uh, my last name starts with a Z because uh, Zabel and the Z is also the last uh, last in the alphabet. So uh, I was thinking, okay, uh, pro cyclist is plan A. And uh, I mean, it's an interview podcast, so I meet a lot of people as well. And uh, we talk uh, about a lot of different things. And uh, I just kind kind of liked the idea that uh, if you don't have a plan B, there are still like a lot of other plans you can have. Uh, I think 25 or 26 uh, letters are in the in the alphabet, so you can have 26 different plans for life, and the last is plan Z. <laughs> I like that. I like that. But your plan A worked out pretty good. I mean, you know, I have to say, from a very young age, we all saw you Rick Zabel up on the podium of the, the Tour de France with your dad. I mean, those were some of the most iconic pictures of that time. And um, here you are, professional for, for quite a while now, since, since 2014. Um, did, was it always your destiny to be a professional cyclist? Or, or was, there, was there football involved in this just kind of came naturally but i i have to say that it looked like you were gonna be that your plan a was gonna work out from the start um i, I from i would say like the intention to really get professional started just when i was like 15 or 16 um when i got a little bit better in cycling and uh, yeah i got invited to the national team but yeah uh, before i started cycling i i, I played football for three years and uh, I started cycling when I was 12, I think. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, what I always liked about cycling was the community. I really loved the community. Like when I got or when I entered my club, uh, uh, just my home club, I just liked the coaches. I liked the other boys and girls uh, I went training with. And uh, I don't know, I just felt welcome in the family. And uh, so the, the, for me, this was two different worlds. It was like this little club cycling, what I did. And then, of course, there was uh, the pro cycling for my dad. Um, but as a young boy, you also don't really realize uh, the life uh, or the life my, my dad lived. Uh, it, like, it, it was too far away for me to understand that. And uh, yeah, the, the older I got and uh, the better I got in cycling, I mean, if you're good in something, you you kind of like it and you like to have success and uh, standing on the podium. So, uh, yeah, then uh, I, at, when I got a little bit older, at 15, 16 years old, I, I thought about, it. okay, it would be, would be nice to also be a professional cyclist. But this was like, I was, I never tried to equal my dad or anything. I always tried to, to go my own way. And uh, back then it was also that, like first you first you race against the guys in your club and then maybe it's more on a regional uh, you on a regional regional base where you race uh, against the other guys and then as, like I said I come I came into the national team then you you race against like the, the best in, uh, of best guys from Germany 
And then, uh, yeah, maybe you get invited to a European Championship or to a World Championship. So then you see the best guys in the world. So it was always another step, another step. And I really, I really liked that to, like, like a little bit like in a video game, like to level up. Okay, I, I, I'm on another level now. I'm on an even bigger stage now. And uh, yeah, I would just describe that uh, as my way into professional cycling. So I believe um, about 2009, you moved to Erfurt, smaller yes. city in uh, eastern Germany um, for a former or like old style East German uh, sports school, lived at the dorms. Uh, was it any, was it hard for you to leave the family behind and live, what, 300 miles or 500 kilometers away from home? Because when I moved uh, to my sports school, lived at the dorms. We had a lot of fighting um, in the first weeks and months mm -hmm. to fight out the packing order. It was tough. Was it anything like that for you as well? Or was it okay for you to live far away from home? Uh, I would guess it was quite okay for me. I, I mean, I was used to that my, my, I was used to that my dad is often away as a pro cyclist. Um, so... Obviously, I had a very good uh, connection to my mom because of that, and of course, I missed her. But uh, yeah, looking back on this time, I think it was very good for me to go through the school because uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm a single child, and uh, I would say that I got raised up pretty well. And uh, but I I was always lucky in my life; like I never lacked on anything. Like my 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 dad had my 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 parents had a lot of money, so. I just lived a good life and then I think it was very good for me to come into a like boarding school and find my place there and I was always someone with a quite big mouth so uh, also like the older guys teach you a little bit okay uh, you you have to find your place and you learn respect and you learn discipline and uh, all that stuff so uh, yeah looking back on that I'm I'm really thankful that I I learned my lessons there and uh, I, I went uh, to the school and uh, I have to say as soon as I kind of understood the system and uh, I followed the rules, um, yeah, this got my, or this became my second family basically, like like you said, like you're not often at home. So uh, still now my, my two best friends are still uh, from this time and uh, yeah, you, you kind of... Uh, surround yourself with your friends and your training mates and these guys become your second family somehow because yeah you don't really see your your, your parents that much anymore but uh, yeah I, I really liked that and uh, for me this was looking back on all this this was really really helpful for me uh, I have a quick question that's totally off topic just <laughs> of personal interest when you went to that sports school could you actually fold a t-shirt Or put the bed sheets on or did mom always did it for you before that uh ah, i think i i could uh, i could do it but uh yeah my mom always uh, treated me very good so i never had to do it so <laughs> <laughs> um, I, i think like i said i i i got treated very well at home and uh, i always enjoyed that but uh It was very good for me to 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 come in this system and uh, get a little bit, uh, yeah, uh, more useful by myself. Let's say, like uh, to learn a lot of things. And uh, most, mo basically, the most important was for me to to 
learn respect and uh, to learn the discipline. And like you said, there the on a boarding school there are rules. And uh, uh, you, I came there. I was like 15, so um, it was like like the the boarding school had like four floors and like the, the cycling the cyclists. When when I came there, basically the cyclists lived on the first floor, but. Uh, Very soon we had to go up to the fourth floor because uh, we were escaping too much out of the windows on the weekends. So, <laughs> so we, we had to go up to the fourth floor. That it's not that easy anymore to escape. Uh, but uh, yeah, like uh, like I said, uh, I mean, I, when I came there, I was one of the youngest. And uh, if you if you not listen to what the older guys say, they they teach you they teach you. Uh, That's not the that's not the good way. You you should have respect uh, for older for older guys, and uh, yeah, you you just learn these things, uh, and you you don't you don't call your mommy and cry about ah uh, he did that to me or whatever. You kind of uh, take it and uh, learn from it. I often wonder um, because my father wasn't you know famous. Uh, Yen's father wasn't famous, but I had a good friend that uh, I was close to and lived with on the Cote d'Azur, Axel Merckx, who, yeah, yeah. his last name is a pretty important <laughs> last name. Your last name is a very important last name. Do you think you actually got it a little bit harder because of your last name? Because, man, I can't imagine the, the, the maturity that it would take to not take the easy road, not stay at home, but to go out and kind of plow your own path, if you will. But then when you make that decision, you go to boarding school, do you think the kids were, were harder on you because of your last name or maybe a little bit more lenient? Oh, it's hard to say, but uh, I think that they are, it, has, it had good and bad things. Like, uh, of course, when I always... When I came somewhere, or also the city where I grew up in Una, uh, I, I would guess that my my father is by far the most uh, famous person there. So everywhere I turned up to school, or also later in boarding school, um, yeah, people people already knew ah this is the son of Eric Zabel, and uh, of course, and they also already have like a kind of an opinion in in their mind. And uh, it's it's hard to change that uh, first impression or opinion you get, you give to them, but uh, I would say as soon somebody really got in, get in contact with me and we talked, they realized quite fast. Okay, uh, it's it's he's not a bad guy, but uh, yeah, like I said, it, it had it had good and bad ways. I mean, for me, it was I was just used to this, so. Uh, I, I knew how to handle these situations and uh, like more on a more from a cycling perspective uh, I would say that uh, it made me it made me a better bike racer when I was young because of course uh, when I came to local quits when I was young uh, all the other kids wanted to beat me because uh, yeah I, I was the son of Eric Zabel and was always nice if they could beat me so uh, it made me a better bike racer in the end and uh, Uh, so I, I also looking back on that, I would say that that made me stronger, that made me better. Uh, so uh, even if it wasn't a good thing at first sight, uh, it turned out to be a good thing in the end. And uh, I have to say uh, a very, very good thing, which I which I know 
was as soon as I raced for the national team or I got in the U23 category, for example, I, I won a few races. Uh, I have to say, when you have the name Zabel and you win a race in U23, the media effect is much bigger than you have a different name. So I would say that was a, was a very positive thing, that as soon as... Uh, yeah, you, you have a big name and you win something. Um, the media just like these stories and they make up, ah, here's the second Zabel. So, uh, yeah, the media attachment, uh, at, uh, attention was much bigger because of, uh, because of my name. And that made it like, as soon as you race good, it makes it easier to become a pro cyclist, I would say. But, uh, first of, first you need to get the results by yourself and you need to have the legs by, your, uh, yeah, to train and everything this year. The hard work you have to put in yourself. Now that we talk about the cycling family, maybe not a lot of our uh, viewers or listeners know your grandfather, Detlef, had been a pretty good cyclist in East Germany as well. So now that you are a father, what's mm. your what's your take on like your son taking on the, the legacy and uh, becoming a cyclist as well. I know he's uh, only very, very little, your son, so he's not on a bike yet. What's your take on that? You go, nah, he can do whatever he wants, or you go, hmm, yeah, maybe I would like if he keeps uh, cycling. Do you ever thought about that? Uh, yeah, my, my son became one year just a few weeks ago, and uh, yeah, I mean, this, I think these are just normal thoughts you have. Um, and I'm not really sure. Uh, Yet, uh, I mean, I, I probably would not force it that he starts with cycling. I, I like if he finds out by himself that he likes bike riding. Actually, pretty pretty similar to me. Like my dad never forced me to do uh, to start cycling or anything. He said, okay, as, if you want to start, like I can get you a bike or whatever. But if you want to do any other sport, it's no problem for me. So uh, I would maybe uh, do it the same way. Um, But, uh, yeah, like, like I said, like, if, if he, if he wants to try it out, I would help him. And then, uh, he needs to find out if he has passion for the sport or not. But, uh, I would also, I would also, uh, also like that, uh, he maybe goes in a complete different direction. Like, if he gets a musician or an artist or something, like, something different than sport would be, I would like that also because, uh, yeah, when we have family meetups, it's all about cycling, cycling, cycling. So <laughs> it would be also nice to get some fresh wind in that. See, uh, I got uh, two boys as well. And I, I must honestly, I must say, um, I'm not unhappy that they did not choose cycling. One plays lacrosse, the other one did a lot of time running, track and field. He's still doing some jogging and running, but not competitive. And, um, Just like you, you said, uh, when we have a family reunion, now we almost talk no cycling at all anymore, you know? So it's, it's, it's nice to have a change, but the cyclist in me goes, dang, I saw the talent in the kids, right? Mm -hmm. They had a nice pedal stroke. They were well balanced on the bike. I could see the potential in them. So the cyclist in me goes, ah, what a missed chance. But the dad goes great for them they choose yeah. their own path and i'm happy to follow up on that so i'm a little torn and i think you probably feel a little bit the same you go yes i wish but now maybe i i, I didn't wish it so let them grow up and they can decide De definitely definitely i mean i mean but the good thing is uh like uh when when i started cycling uh basically i uh 
basically my grandpa teach me everything uh, because my, my dad still raised himself. Uh, he was still a professional cyclist. And my grandpa, uh, not, not that left who raised uh, in East, uh, East Germany, uh, like from my mother's side, uh, this grandpa, he, he also did, uh, he also did cycling um, and raced uh, more local races. But yeah, most of the time it was him uh, who took me to the races. And I mean, I would, I would, I would like that, uh, for example, because yeah, like I said, my, my dad raced himself uh, so often and uh, couldn't be a dad uh, that often because he was a bike racer. So maybe he can, uh, yeah, get that chance with, with my son to be, uh, to be a very good granddad. And maybe if he likes to teach him cycling, uh, I can, I can understand that. Uh, uh, I would, uh, yeah, like, like you said, uh, as a cyclist, you, if you see your son has talent, of course, why not? But uh, I don't need to tell you guys uh, when, when you, for example, uh, do a grand tour stage and it's super hard or it's cold weather and you still need to go out training and like cycling is a hard job and you need to suffer a lot. So there are, there are moments also where I think, okay, I don't wish this to my son. Like uh, it's enough. My dad suffered all through, through all this and I, I need to suffer now. Maybe they just choose something easier. <laughs> Just by looking at, you know, I, I was teammates with your dad and um, shout out to his genetics or your genetics, because he looks like he hasn't aged a day <laughs> in like 20 years. So I think you're going to be be OK with that. But, um, you know, he was he was really famous, uh, at least to me, for his his massive hours of training, his his blocks of training. Um, what what differences have you seen? in the sport between maybe the old school East German telecom days and the way that you train now. Um, do you know the stories of how much your dad used yeah, to train? Yeah. I mean, hey, my dad still, still now he trains uh, a lot. I mean, uh, sometimes I, I compare my training hours or kilometers with him and I have to tell he's not very far away from me uh, <laughs> because he, he still just like, I don't know anyone, really, I don't know anyone who has such a big passion for the sports than my dad. Like, uh, he's, he, like, not, not, uh, not on the pro side anymore. Like, he don't, doesn't really want to be, uh, in, in the, on the spotlight anymore and do anything, but just like in his little garage at home, like, he likes to fix his bikes and he likes to go out for training and change saddles to, from one bike to another and all this little stuff. He just like laughs at. And uh, so, so, yeah, basically he's still like in the last year when there was Corona and he had time, he, I'm pretty sure he was close to 30,000 kilometers at the end of the year. So he's still riding a lot. And uh, yeah, of course I, I spoke with him. I, I, he told me like uh, 2008 was his last season as a professional cyclist. And he did all three grand tours in that year and also other big races like the Tour de Suisse. And he told me, uh, and he, he didn't do an off season that year because he kept training for the six days in Berlin, which was his very last race as a, uh, as a pro cyclist. And yeah, so in the 2008 season, he, he told me he was very pissed because he missed out on the 50,000 kilometer mark, but just by five or 600 kilometers. So we had like 40, 49,000 kilometers at the end, which like when you, when you, yeah takes it by days, it makes like 160 kilometers a day average uh, over a year, every day, 
which is pretty pretty crazy and also pretty sick in my opinion and of course uh, like like you said like then i i became a professional cyclist and i have to say i i got a professional cyclist with with the old school german training long and slow and uh, yeah in in the in the winter time you do you just wrap up a lot of hours on the bike and you do some gym training and strength training on the bike and uh, th this worked out for me pretty well but uh, yeah like you said like uh, cycling nowadays changed completely you go to altitude camps you need to look on your nutrition you need to look on your sleep and uh, of course you still have big rides uh, or big endurance trainings like five six hours or even seven hours but uh, it's much more intensive also in the trainings you do like two three hour sessions with a lot of intervals and all that stuff and uh, yeah this changed a lot and uh, yeah cycling changed so much and you cannot really compare the times my dad raced in and the times i raced in it's completely it's a completely different sport i think and this wasn't this wasn't easy because when when i turned professional uh i i had uh, very good coaches uh, in bmc who yeah trained me uh, the way uh, you you need to be trained as a professional cyclist nowadays but of course like uh, when when you have a dad and i always had a clo close uh, you know, i have a, i have a good and close connection with my dad then he looked over my training program and said ah it's not enough you need to train more hey you are you are a professional cyclist now you need to train more so as a young guy I was always, uh, let's say in German, you say you, I was sitting between two chairs. I, I, I was like on one side, I wanted to follow my trainer, of course, but on the other side, there was my dad, which who I really trusted uh, and he always wanted more. So it took me a while to realize there uh, or to, to tell, hey, uh, I, I go my way and uh, I, I follow my, like, I know this is good now for me. Like uh, I, I, I listen to my trainer. Uh, that's but that's why that's why I have a coach. Uh, so I listen to my coach, and uh, yeah, but that that wasn't easy for sure. Well, to to reassure you, anyone who trains forty eight thousand kilometers a year these days is mm. out of a contract by the end of the year. Your dad had an exceptional large engine, yeah. and they only get made once in a hundred years. Like I was, uh, I was a, a cyclist that sort of myself. I do train a lot and I would have about 30 to 35,000 at the max. Yeah. There's no way in hell anybody in this modern day of cycling <laughs> can train 40, 45 or 50,000 kilometers. You would be, yes, you could ride Paris, Moscow at 31 kilometers an hour, but as soon as you had to ride 50 kilometers an hour for yeah. a minute, you would be dropped. So cycling has changed a lot. You know, you're on the right way. Listen to your coach, to your body. You got some experience now yourself. Don't get intimidated by these crazy numbers. Only one out of a million cyclists can survive a training regime like that. So yeah. you're doing the right thing. If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus. For less than a dollar a week, you can get a hard copy of Valley News magazine, choose two books a year from VeloPress, Access all the premium content from the whole outside family, including Yoga Journal, Peloton Magazine, and Backpacker. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events, as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value every year in one $99 subscription. But 
If you head to valuenews.com slash outside plus and enter Bobby Jens 25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout, you'll receive our special 25% discount and you make a good deal great. And now back to our chat with Rick. You just got back from your first uh, training camp with Israel Startup Nation. Saw that you guys did uh, some sightseeing stuff, rode mountain bikes, road bikes. Tell us a little bit about your camp and your your experience in Israel. Ah, it was a it was a very nice team camp, I have to say. Uh, it wasn't really a training camp, uh, like you said. We I think we were nine days there, and we rode our bikes maybe I think on three days, um, and the other six days. We always had some yoga in the morning or we went for one or like, but it was basically, it was more uh, a team building camp to, to get to know your new, your new teammates and new staff members. And uh, like you said, uh, I'm racing for Israel Startup Nation. So they are really proud. Uh, also once, once a year, the team comes there and they show, sh they show us around and they try to, yeah, show us Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and a little bit the roots of the team. So uh, it, was, it was a very nice uh, team camp with a lot of uh, yeah team bonding exercises and uh, uh, programs like to to get your new, uh, to get uh, to know your new team members and uh, uh, of course also a big part of that is going out uh, during the night a few times and uh, have a couple of beers uh, with each other so it was it was a fun camp it was just a, a lot of fun and uh, because we we didn't sleep that much in during these nine days uh, i needed a few rest days at home and now now i can <laughs> can come back to training <laughs> So how does it feel, because we had Andre Greipel recently in this podcast, how is life without Andre now? I mean, you did race with him for a few years. You were like his wingman, his leadout man, his partner in crime. You were at all the races with Andre. How is life without him now? Uh, he's uh, on, on a good way to be Eric Zabel number two at the moment. So he's still uh, still training a lot. Uh, <laughs> And uh, like we we have this training group here uh, in Cologne uh, where, for example, Niels Polit is also part of, uh, part of this group, and uh, so we just have this little WhatsApp group, and somebody shoots a message in there, hey, I'm I wanted to do three hours today, and uh, the only one who always raises his hand at the moment, I'm in, I'm in, is Andre. So uh, I don't think uh, he realized yet that he's not a professional cyclist anymore. Um, uh, so he's still around at training. But uh, of course, uh, no, it, it changed a lot. Uh, I'm, I, I would say that Andre had maybe the biggest influence on my career um, yeah, like since I'm a professional bike rider because uh, he really became a good friend, but also because he's yeah 10 years older than me, also kind of a mentor. And uh, yeah, we I, I moved to Cologne back in 2017, I think. And uh, yeah, Andre just uh, integrated me very well and said, hey man, you are new here, so I'm going to show you around. I'm going to show you the the roads and the areas to train. So uh, we got along very well. Uh, had always good chats while training. And um, then, like I said, we have this training group here with four or five professional cyclists. And uh, so we, we, we always became good friends and he always gave me good advice. 
But then, of course, uh, as soon uh, as we got teammates, our connection got even closer because uh, we started to race uh, with each other. We start like we he was my usual roommate. Like normally, I would room with him at every race, and uh, yeah, it it also turned out that uh, I was his last man in most of the races, and uh, yeah, I it was I have a very very close connection with him, and uh, I always knew because he's 10 years older than me that his career will for sure end much earlier than mine and uh, but i always like try to convince him ah come on one more year one more year is okay one more year is okay because i knew as soon as he stops uh, i'm gonna miss him and uh, yeah now now we are at this point that he this was his last season and i really enjoyed it uh, to to race his last reason uh, season with him and um, now I mean, nothing really, uh, nothing changes uh, that we, we, we still remain friends, of course. But uh, I saw already now in the East World camp, it's just different. Like you have a new roommate. and uh, But on the other side, it was also kind of a good thing again, because uh, when you are so close with someone, you also kind of hang around all the time with him. So you kind of, not on a negative way, but you, I think uh, people also saw in, in my team, we, People always saw me like they saw us like as a duo. Like ah, this is Rick and Andre. They are always together. And uh, now, as he as he stopped, I'm uh, like my own person again. So I need to like also like I have I, I talk more with other people now also again, which is a good thing. So uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed the the time racing with him. And uh, now his time is over. My career keeps going on. And uh, yeah, I will still remain friends with him, of course. And I still will. I will also always ask him for advice uh, if I don't know uh, or if I if I have questions. But uh, he teach me a lot, uh, especially about uh, living the life as a pro cyclist and uh, listen to yourself and listen to your body. So uh, he had very good influence on my career, and I'm very thankful for that. That sounds very familiar. Jens and I spent uh, a heck of a lot of time together, and. I retired and I always wondered what it was like, you know, because we were roommates all the time. I was like, I wonder what Jens is doing. I wonder if Jens likes his yeah. new roommate. And then, yeah, I kind of, after a year, you kind of fall by the wayside and, and realize that uh, that's in the past. Um, Rick, now, if you want to look back at um, your seven years of a pro career, would there be any one or two moments that stick out where you go, That was where I felt the most proud of my performance. It could be your first win in Austria. It could be something where you helped somebody else to win. Or you crashed and went back on the bike. Is there a moment you go, yeah, that was the day when I was the most proud of my cycling. Uh, it was uh, it was my finishing my first Tour de France uh, 2017, which was kind of a dream because it started in Germany and uh, as a German rider to start your first Tour de France in Germany was very, very nice and a big goal of me. And um, yeah, like, like, I mean, with with the history of um, my family with cycling, I was so often, like, like you, Bobby mentioned it uh, at the beginning of this uh, episode that I, I've been six times on the podium with my dad, but always on the shoulders of my dad. And uh, I've been in Paris uh, so often, seeing the Tour de France finishing there, like from the from the fan side, like I watched the bike race as a fan, and then coming back there, uh, 
as a professional cyclist and um, like I, in my opinion uh, or you also know it Jens when you when you are a professional cyclist in Germany the first question people ask you are did you do the Tour de France so uh, if you never did the Tour de France uh, you are not really a real professional cyclist uh, so you, you have to do you have to do that race and of course you have to finish it as, also and uh, so Yeah, in 2017, I did my first Tour de France and uh, I was able to finish it. And I remember just like really like the, it was this always uh, this. I always have this memory, memory in my mind. The first time I came on the Champs-Élysées and you you see the finish line and you see like when you look further at the horizon, you see like the Arc de Triomphe. Um, like this picture everybody knows from TV. But when you see it as a bike rider by yourself, And uh, yeah, you see all the fans and the crowd on the side and they're screaming at you. It was like, this was a moment, uh, I think it was the only time in my career I got really like tears into my eyes as a professional cyclist of being proud. And I'm like, ah, I stood there as a little kid and as a fan and now I've made it myself to to come here. This was, but yeah, I would say, I would call this the proudest moment in my career. That's awesome. That is, that, that I think every cyclist has that same story. And uh They always say you're not a real cyclist if you haven't broken your collarbone yeah. and you're not a real cyclist if you haven't finished the Tour de France. Um, so I finished the Tour de France. I didn't break my mm. collarbone. So I guess I'm not a real, <laughs> real cyclist. So we having the next season coming up, Rick, and the new season is like a clean white sheet of paper and it's up to you. Not us anymore because we're retired. It's <laughs> up to you to write a beautiful, wonderful story on that clean white sheet of paper. What are your dreams and desires for yourself for next year, for the 2022 season? I, I really like uh, going into a new season because it's like you say, you, you have a white, uh, white paper in front of you and you, you always kind of uh, have the feeling that the, you get new cards and... Hopefully you have good cards and you have a winter uh, a winter in front of you where where it's about you 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 train and uh, the more, the better you train and uh, the more discipline you have the better season uh, the, the, the better the season will be. On the other side, uh, that's that's the same for every cyclist. <laughs> like when you when you ask uh, every cyclist in the January training camp, he will tell you, "Oh, I I've had such a great winter. I will win 10 races this year." Um, But now, uh, coming back to the question, um, we our, 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 my team signed uh, very late, but they signed Giacomo Nizzolo, which is a great sprinter, and I'm very looking forward to, to work together with him. Um, I think we have a very powerful lead-out uh, with Alex Dowsett and Matthias Brendle and myself, uh, So uh, and now we have a very good sprinter behind us, so... Um, I already know that uh, I will do most of the races uh, in this combination with these three guys. And uh, yeah, if you, if you ask me personally, I would always, uh, I would like to race the Tour de France every year. But uh, on a realistic side, I know in my team with that many GC guys, it's not easy to, as a lead out guy, to, to get into the tour selection. But uh, yeah, my main goals will be riding, riding and finishing a Grand Tour. Um, and I would be happy if it's a Giro or the Tour de France. Um, I would not say no to winning a race by myself somewhere. Uh, that, that's always that's every year a goal of uh, of mine. 
and uh, yeah basically just uh, want to have a great season uh, stay healthy and want to have a great season with Giacomo like uh, I, I think in the past years I've been a very very good lead out guy like uh, for me is the absolute number one in the world out there is Michael Murkoff which I really uh, I have so much respect for this guy and uh, I worked together with him in Katusha and uh, he's a role model for myself like uh, he's he, he never fucks up a sprint he's always there and uh, yeah I just want to be I think I'm doing already quite well but uh, it, it I can still improve and um, yeah I would wish just to get this lead out uh, with with the guys I mentioned already um, to have a lead out next year that when we are on the start line, other teams say, ah, damn, they are here, um, that we are dominating the, stri- the sprints and, yeah, win, let's say, five or ten races with Giacomo next year. That would be a, a great thing. That would be a great thing. Well, you know, I know it's getting late there in Germany. Jens has to go yes. out and take his dogs out. I'm sure you need to get to bed. Uh, sounded like you had a tough nine days there in, in Israel. But, uh, yeah, man, turn that page, start over. Um, all the best with with your objectives, with your new teammates, and uh, we just wish you all the best moving forward, man. Thank you very much, and uh, also, uh, yeah, thanks for the invitation coming to your podcast. Well, that's all our time for this week. Huge thanks to Rick for being our guest. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please give us a five-star review, and don't forget to share us with your friends. This show was a Velenews production in association with Shocked Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Mosser. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. One of the most fun parts about cycling is climbing. So why not try Garrett Thomas's athlete workout, Fun is Flying Uphill. A great pillar of any climber is muscular endurance. And believe me when I say, that's what you'll get. Testing yourself on training plans alongside world-class cyclists is what makes Zwift so exciting. I can't wait to show my friends the fitness I've built at home. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.